In this episode of Upward Calling, we talk about why it's important to have both faith and virtue. Welcome to Upward Calling. We help Christians develop a relationship with God by talking with University of Church of Christ evangelist Josh Creel and Dr. Kenny Embry. Listen as we take a deeper dive on a lesson from a recent Sunday service and help you apply it Monday through Friday. How you doing, Josh? Kenny, I'm doing great. I uh, got to see you not once but twice yesterday, so that was a, that was a highlight. And uh, how lucky are you? I I, mean, I, I am blessed. I am blessed. So, <laughs> and now we get to do this uh, today. So uh, I'm thrilled. Well, good, good. Yeah, uh, one of the things that, that what what Josh is making reference to is uh, there have been a lot of uh, meeting in homes. This is something that that the the congregation has started doing, where we might meet home to home. And uh, I was able to go to uh, one hosted at Josh's house, and it was very nice. So I, I, I really enjoyed that. Well, we're glad you came. I had a good turnout. Uh, yeah, um, uh, I, we, I don't know that we were necessarily setting out to be more biblical, but uh, if you look at Acts chapter <laughs> 2, and you've got the the whole church coming together to meet in the temple, and then you have them meeting house to house, uh, you know, it, it fits that pattern pretty well. It was kind of nice to be able to see people in a smaller setting. Yeah. I have probably more conversations with more people than than I do at the large building. Yeah, I so I mean it, it was it was a very intimate. It was very nice. It was. It, it I don't know. That I call nice. it intimate because, like, like I mentioned, even in our gathering last night, uh, that we had more people at my house than at the first congregation where I preached, where, where we had members. So, <laughs> uh, but yes, definitely, definitely more intimate than uh, than everybody together in the building. That's exactly right. On Sunday, you basically picked up in Second Peter again, where you were talking about the the, the virtues that, that that Peter tells us to to pick up, and you started with the first two. Remember when you were framing this, the way you're framing this, I think is very smart. Uh, your argument last time was that we don't need to piecemeal Christianity together. Our objective should be to be more like God. Once you make that your ultimate objective. Then you start looking at the characteristics of God and try and try and put those into your life. With this one, you talked about both faith and also virtue or uh, moral excellence. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, let's start with faith, though. What is biblical faith, Josh? Once again, just to kind of give um, you know, bringing Pete up, people up to speed. Second Peter chapter one has been our text, and in, in some ways, you could say that Second Peter chapter one is the cliff notes version of what Christianity is all about. Mm-hmm. Um, we have God being credited for uh, what he deserves to be credited for, and that everything is coming from him. It's by his promises, his, his doing, that we can, as Peter says in verse 4, become partakers of the divine nature. Well, what are the, the things that God has provided that, that we need to be looking at, that we need to be following so that we can, in fact, be what God intends for us to be? And those are the, the eight qualities that are listed in verses 5 through 7 of Second Peter chapter 1. And as we mm-hmm. said, it starts with faith. Now, what is biblical faith? Mm-hmm. Biblical faith is the way by which we are saved. We cannot escape from that. We are saved because God is gracious. We are saved because God loves us. Mm-hmm. And God says in so many passages in the New Testament, whether it be John 3, 16, whether it be Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, uh, whether it be Romans 3, that we are saved through faith. But of course, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That is where most of our discussions and maybe even disagreements come. What do we mean by faith? Yes. Are we are we simply saying that if I have the me- mental cognition that there is a God and that Jesus is his son, that I therefore have saving faith? Or is it something more than that? Mm-hmm. And so that's what we were trying to define yesterday. And I, I do think that in Scripture, when you when you read about faith, it is encompassing a whole lot more than oftentimes that, that we may think. It, it certainly is uh, having something you believe and, and having mm-hmm. reason for believing that. It is putting your trust in in the person that you're convinced about. But if you really trust that person, you really trust that being in the case of God, then you'll follow him. And if he if he says, like he did to Abraham, leave your you know father's house, go to a place that I'll show you, then when you take the first step out the door, that is a step taken in faith. When you when God says to Noah, build an ark and I'm going to save you and your household, then when you first put the first piece of gopher wood and you're putting it however he did, and you know, joining those pieces together, you're doing that by faith. And so mm-hmm. even our actions, as James in James chapter two talks about our works. You know, if you you know, I'll show you my faith by my works. That's that's what James mm-hmm. is talking about. He and so we had this whole dichotomy in, in so many religious discussions about faith versus works, and that's not the the way in which no. Scripture speaks of them. It talks about faith and it talks about works, but those works are a product of the faith which we have in God. I, it's probably my bias, but but I think we overcomplicate faith. I think the, the way you talk about it there is probably the very best way to talk about it. If you trust somebody, which is what I think faith is, they ask you to do something, trust me, this will work out fine. Yeah. That's that's faith to me. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's, God tells us, if you'll just do these things, and, and not even do them perfectly, if you'll just do these things, you'll be fine. Yeah. Trust me on this. And I, I think of, of faith a lot like that. I think I, I think so many times, um, and probably where we where we've gone askew is because in so many of our discussions we we are we are arguing against a an erroneous position uh, because yeah. we have you know, in popular religion it has been shoehorned down you know, the throats of so many people that well what we mean by what what faith is is so long as you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you know, then then that is biblical saving faith. And, you know, as far as following any of the other commands of God, you know, that's that's something outside of faith and opposed to faith. And so we have argued a lot uh, against that. Um, mm-hmm. But maybe where we have gone astray is we've not remained biblical in saying that we are saved by faith. It's we are saved by faith, but you have to do X, Y, and Z. Uh, repent, be baptized, live a faithful life, which is true. Mm-hmm. But what we need to do is we need to, you know, reshape the argument and saying, I agree, we are saved by faith. Now let's talk about what faith is. Let's talk right. about what the scriptures say faith is. And then we'll understand what the scriptures mean by saying we are saved by the grace of God through our faith. What does it mean that there is only one faith, Josh? Because I think that's one of the. You, you, we could go to Ephesians and, and uh, 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 we could talk about one faith, one one baptism, yeah. all of those things. Um, but the, the, there is this claim that there is only one faith. Number one, is that true? 
Number two, if it is, why do you think it is? I, I definitely believe that there is. And as you already mentioned in Ephesians 4, we could look at Jude chapter 3, you know, the faith mm-hmm. once, um, uh, Jude verse 3, uh, faith once for all delivered to the saints. And these these verses that say there's one faith. But I think if we look more at what we mean by faith and we see throughout Scripture that this is what the Scriptures are saying. So, again, I'm saying faith is is composed of, of three three parts and that real biblical faith has all three parts. You're, Mm -hmm. you're convinced you put your trust in, in God, and then you follow God. We'll start at the very beginning. Adam and Eve are definitely convinced that there is a God. Mm -hmm. Okay. They, they, they know that they, they have walked in the garden with God yet. What is it that Satan is able to do in the garden? He doesn't just convince um, Eve to to eat of the apple. He first puts doubt in her heart. What do you mean? Has God really said you can't eat of any of the trees in this garden? Well, of course, Mm -hmm. that's not what God says, and Eve knows that. Right. And then she says, no, well, well, you know, God says we can only not eat of one of these trees. And Satan says, oh, well, that's because God knows in the day you eat of that, you're going to be just like him. Mm -hmm. And so it is putting mistrust in her heart. God who made you, God whom you know exists. And so if, mm-hmm. if faith was only knowing that there's a God, Adam and Eve never would have been lost. Right. They knew there was a God, but Satan was able to put doubt in their hearts as far as God's intentions for them. And when they had doubt in their hearts, then they ceased to follow God's will. Mm-hmm. So they did not have real faith. Yeah. Uh, Abraham by contrast, uh, and you know, we read scriptures, and Joshua even talks about how uh, their, you know, the forefathers of Israel worshipped idols when they were in Ur. Uh, so Abraham, as far as we can tell, was an idolater at some point in his life. But at some point, he became convinced that Jehovah is God, and God said to Abraham, not only to leave your father's house, leave your country, go to land that I'll show you, but then we'll continue to give him a a multitude of instructions culminating in sacrifice your son. Mm -hmm. Well, Abraham is convinced that there is a God. God has spoken to him. Right. But what separates Abraham from Adam is, as Genesis 15 says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Right. Well, what did Abraham do in his belief? He followed God. He left his home. He 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 lived a life faithfully serving God, not perfectly as you, as you've rightly said, but he he put his faith in God. And so there's all these passages, you know, Habakkuk chapter two. You know, the my, my righteous ones will live by faith. That is yeah. that is right there, and it's talking about how Israel, who is going to be punished. They didn't have faith. The Hebrew writer says this in Hebrews 4 and verse 2. <laughs> Israel had the, the gospel preached to them, but it was not united in faith. So you have these, these aspects throughout the Bible. And when we come to the life of Jesus, and Jesus is constantly saying, those who believe in me, they're the ones who are going to be saved. Well, mm-hmm. the gospels also tell us that there were some of the Pharisees that believed in Jesus, yet yeah. they would not follow him. Were they saved? No. So when we come to all these statements, whether it be in Romans or in Ephesians or James or any other book in the New Testament, it talks about saving faith. It's talking about the same kind of faith that we those Old Testament stories were exemplifying for us. 
Yeah. Saving faith was not the kind of faith that, that Adam and Eve had in the garden. Saving faith was not the kind of faith that Israel had. They knew that Jehovah God was real. They didn't trust him and they didn't follow him. Saving faith is the kind of faith that Abraham had. Saving faith is the kind of faith that Paul and the apostles had. They yeah. knew there's a God. They knew Jesus' is son, but they also knew this is a God who keeps his promises and therefore we can trust him. And if right. we can trust him, we'll follow him. This may have been my longest point in the podcast history, by the way. <laughs> it's all right, man. You made the point in, in, in Hebrews eleven six, and I think that was probably one of the smartest the smartest things to bring up there. I think one of the things that, they, that that some people will talk about is faith is a new law, or that that is faith is is unique to to the New Testament. And really, the, the, the whole point of Hebrews eleven is no faith has always been something that's been required of everybody. But but th- then that verse verse six, and it's so nicely put that that it kind of tells you what the articles of faith are. Mm-hmm. You've got to believe that God exists and you've got to believe. And the way that the, the Hebrews, uh, the, the six, uh, uh, 11, six says it is that he, I think it says rewards those who diligently seek him. And I've always thought about that, that he just, he keeps his promises. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he just, it's it, when God tells you it's going to happen, it's going to happen. So, I mean, that's, that's what you, if I had to ahead. select a favorite verse in all the Bible mm-hmm. and I, I don't have to, but if I did, um, <laughs> it would probably be Hebrews 10 verse 23. Let us hold fast to the assurance of our hope for he who promised is faithful. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's exactly the whole right. point. He who promised is faithful. And, it, and if we recognize that God is trustworthy, then we hold fast. We, we, we don't get shaken. We we follow him. We hold fast because yeah. he's going to keep his promises to us. Yeah, yeah. The second part of your sermon started going around virtue or moral excellence, and and really, the, I appreciated that you did not bring up the the Greek word. I think the Greek word there is arte. Arte, but, yes, yeah. But but I, I appreciate you. I appreciate in general that you don't do that because we don't speak Greek. <laughs> we speak English. No, I and, talked and, about TVs for 10 minutes instead. <laughs> we really dumbed right, it man. down here. <laughs> that's, but that's good. That's good. Do you think Peter is making a set of virtues that have a specific order? In other words, is it important that virtue follows faith? I don't know. Um, that, that's a good question. Um, D. Bowman, I, I remember him talking about this passage and he would make a, a big deal about how the word uh, supply, you know, richly supply in the in this passage and, add, and adding these things was was the word that was used of a of a conductor of a chorus, and so you're bringing mm-hmm. in all the parts and they have to work together, and and that may very well be you know a very picturesque word that Peter's intending there, and so in, in that case, I don't know. There's necessarily an order, but they they all have a part, and they they're yeah. all you know contributing here. Um, so I don't, I don't know. Uh, I do think that he ends with love because yeah. in, in many ways that is the most difficult one of all these to add. So, uh, 
I do. Th- I, I'm, I'm fairly convinced starting with faith is absolutely essential and ending too, with yeah. love is as well. Yeah. As far as the ones in the middle, I'm not positive about, mm-hmm. but I do definitely understand that there is a direct connection between faith and, and virtue or excellence Why? because as we were defining it yesterday, this idea is really achieving, you know, what is, our real intent and our real purpose, you know, the the real function of what a, a man or woman should be, mm-hmm. and of course, the idea that that God has called us by His excellence. So, what is it that we're finding so attractive by God? And if it's His love, if it's His forgiveness, His mercy, His grace, uh, His truthfulness, all these things, and I recognize and I see in my life, I am not all those things all the time. Right? I may not even be those things most of the time. Mm-hmm. Well, how am I going to do that? Hmm. Well, if I don't have faith, then proceeding to virtue is pointless. Yeah. Because I have to have faith that, that God wants this for me and that God has said he's going to aid us in, in adding this quality to our lives. So he, he's defined what these qualities are. He's lived out these qualities in the life of his son. And he says, now follow in these things. You may not do it perfectly, but you can live a virtuous, a morally excellent life. And that is possible by, by God's power and his promises. Do you think there's a point that he puts virtue before knowledge? Uh, I, I, I do. But okay. Ahead. Well, no, you, then you, you go ahead. Cause I, I haven't, I haven't fully, I haven't fully come to a conclusion on that one. I, I do. And, and this might be my harebrained idea. But I think one of the things that happens, and I watch this in academia all the time, it's a bunch of really, really smart people, but they're not virtuous. And and you watch that what, what, what a little knowledge does to them, and it makes them a megalomaniac. It makes them feel like they're more powerful than they are and that they're more important than they are. I think people who, who are good at virtue, who are good at moral excellence, recognize there's a humility in them that I think is implicit in virtue. And and they see that the discipline that they're in, if it doesn't help other people, then, then there's, there's limited value. And I, I think in some ways, in some ways I, I think of knowledge as power and that power is one of those things that can, that is easily corruptible, that, that you, people can be corrupted with, with knowledge. Um, I mean, we could go back to, to the, to the garden of Eden, but virtue is one of those things that is a precursor in my opinion to knowledge. Are you good? Are you doing good? And if you're doing good, then arming you with better tools makes you somebody who's more powerful with better tools. I'm sorry, somebody who makes you more virtuous with better tools. Does that make sense? I really like that. Uh, in fact, that may that may even help me preparing for this Sunday because I could definitely see how Peter would could have made that point based on the the context in which he's writing Second Peter, and we're not even really considering chapters two and three in in this little series of lessons. But you get to chapters two and three, and you know, okay, here's why Peter is emphasizing their need to put on the divine nature and their need to to be brought about to the full knowledge of God. It's because there there are these false teachers out there, and many suppose this is a pre-Gnostic, early Gnostic kind of 
uh, a false teaching that's going out where there were these teachers who were claiming, oh, I have a superior knowledge. That's right. I have a special knowledge. And they're very prideful and lifted up and puffed up about that. Uh, So, yeah, I like that. If, If you are already adding the, the qualities of God, namely, you know, the humility of Jesus and coming to this earth and in the, in the servitude that he gave and you're, you know, looking to be that morally excellent person, then, then increasing your knowledge is not a dangerous thing. It's quite a helpful thing. It's, right. it's only helping you be more Christ-like and serving others. Whereas if you're only increasing in knowledge, but you're not gaining those, those virtuous qualities as well, then knowledge is just going to be a way in which you're lifted up with pride. Yeah. We inevitably fail at both faith and virtue, though, Josh. I mean, none of us are completely faithful. None of us are completely virtuous. If we can't win, why even try this? That's a good question. And it's a question that, that Christians have grappled with, you know, from the very beginning. And, and I don't know if, if maybe Peter was addressing some of that as well, but I am mindful, and we mentioned this in our in our last uh, episode of this podcast. Yeah. yeah. But what Peter says immediately after stating what these qualities are, he says in verse 8, if these qualities are yours and are increasing. Yeah. So he's built in right there the the room for error. He's built in right there the times in our lives where, uh, you know what, faith wasn't what it was supposed to be. And so just like... Um, that that man who who wanted Jesus to to heal his son, Lord, yeah. I believe, help my unbelief. Yeah, you know that 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 in itself is a virtue. Understanding that I do have faith, but I need that faith to grow. Um, so I, I think God God is saying to us, you're you're not perfect. You're not there. You haven't reached it. You're you're becoming partakers of the divine nature, but you're not me yet. You're not you're not like I am but I want you to have these qualities and I want you to increase in them. Yeah. And so if we're, if we're committed to a growth mindset and not getting discouraged that I'm not always, you know, what I, I want to be not, not giving myself, you know, necessarily a pass and not saying I don't, I don't need to continue to increase in those things, but I keep trying and I, and I get up every day and I'm going to try again because this, this is all that God's asked of me. He says, put these qualities on and increase in them. Right. And I'm going to try to do that. You know, the other thing that I would say is with the exception of God and, and by extension, Jesus, every character of the Bible that you look up to has also filled at these two things. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's, it's a, it's a complete mindset and it's kind of, in my opinion, kind of an Americanized mindset. If you can't win, why play? Yeah, and that's that's a that's that's a terrible way to look at this. Well, you think of the the two qualities that we're talking about, and the author of this letter fell spectacularly <laughs> at times at both yeah, of them. Both. He failed yeah. in his faith by deserting Jesus and then denying Jesus. Mm-hmm. He failed in virtue uh, when, um, as Paul mentions in Galatians. Uh, he he plays the hypocrite and you know doesn't want to continue socializing and eating with the the Gentile Christians when when the the Jewish Christians are are, are there. So you know he he has failed at these things. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean he stopped trying though. You know somebody somebody was talking to me about when he went out on to to walk on water with Jesus, and and they made a point that that 
has stuck with me for a long time. One of the things that they said was, you'll notice that when he started trying to, he was sinking, where did he start trying to run to? He said it wasn't the boat, it was to Jesus. He said he was falling forward, he was failing forward. Mm, and like and w- when you look at that, he knew who he could trust and it wasn't the boat. So, I mean, and, and that that to me, that, that says something about if failure is going to be inevitable, and it is, then why don't you try to fail forward? Why don't you try to get a little bit farther than you were? I like that. That, that. Hey, that could be a sermon right there. Uh, <laughs> well, maybe, maybe maybe coming to a pulpit near you. <laughs> well, I, we end up where, where we always end up. How does adding both faith and virtue help us uh, with God's upward call? Adding faith only puts our trust where it belongs, not in ourselves. It puts it in God. Right. And it commits us to, to following in the ways of God. We're none of us are going to ever achieve the upward call in, in, in resulting in per, being a partaker of the divine nature without full faith in God, trusting that uh-huh. he is the one that can bring this about. And then of course, virtue, you know, we're, we're setting in front of us, the qualities, the, the moral excellence, that that God has said here here's what's here's what's important. Yeah. Don't don't get sidetracked by by the things that the world says are important. Again, the world has defined you know moral excellence or virtue of a man as as military strength and as intellectual capabilities and all these things. And God sent His Son not as a warrior, not as a scholar, but as as a servant. Yeah. And as one who loved and forgave and served, mm-hmm. and said, "Have have have the model in front of you of what is actually important and what I'm really trying to get you to be." And so, if we set that in front of us, then we're moving upward. We're moving in the right direction. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Um. So are you preaching next time? I am. I am. We will be talking about knowledge and uh, self-control. So we'll be take, finishing half of the list. Then we're going to take a break for a little while. I'm going to have a, have a little bit of travel. I'm going to yeah. go up to Alabama. My mom's having surgery, so I'm going to go up and help her out for a few days. Um, but uh, after that, we will uh, kind of come back to our theme, and then uh, we'll we'll come back to Second Peter and finish those lessons up here in another few weeks. Well, that sounds good. Well, I look forward to the next one, man. Me too, Kenny. Thank you. All right. Thank you, man. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to get to know us more, you're welcome to watch a live stream service or join us in person at the University Church of Christ in Tampa, Florida. We have our meeting times and directions to the building at universitychurchofchrist.org. The sermon that we reference in today's episode is also available in the show notes. Until next time, God bless you in your walk with God.